Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans? Welcome to this daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, and I am your host, Ian McLaren. Thank you so much for taking some time to check out today's podcast. For those of you who are new, the podcast is available anywhere. You can get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts. Please hit that subscribe button so that each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed. If you get to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. You can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren, as well as Instagram. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And again, we gather here every day to discuss the Boston Bruins and what's going on around the hockey world. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. For those unfamiliar with me, been hosting this podcast for a year now. Just got the Locked On Network update email in which I was wished a happy anniversary as well as many of the hockey hosts on the Locked On Network. The NHL channel has been active for a year and it's crazy that the season, first season just ended last night. That's obviously not typical, uh, but thank you to everyone who has listened to even a few episodes over the last year. It really does mean a lot. I previously worked for The Score, which is a mobile app based up here in Toronto, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Very popular app. Covered hockey for them for five years. Prior to that, or through all that, I also have uh, written about the Bruins, various other teams, covered junior hockey for various SB Nation outlets. And uh, I'm so thrilled and honored to continue to host this daily Boston Bruins podcast. Of course, the big news in the hockey world is that the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final, bringing an end to the NHL's return-to-play bubble experiment in which there were zero positive cases of COVID-19, which is a feat in and of itself. The Lightning shake off the devastating... Upset loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets last year, and were able to come out on top and you know make good on the promise of what is you know inarguably one of, if not the best roster top to bottom in the NHL. Steven Stamkos, who only played about three minutes in the playoffs, scored one goal and was able to come out on the ice and accept the cup from Gary Bettman, handed it off to longtime teammate Victor Hedman, who also won the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. He said, so many guys would do anything to win the Stanley Cup. This is Steven Stamkos. So many great players who have played this game never got a chance to experience what we just experienced. My hat is off to every single player and person in this organization. It's amazing to be part of this run the way we did it. Personally, I didn't have it in me to watch the celebration. Still hurting. 
not only from Boston's loss to Tampa Bay in the playoffs several weeks ago, but also from last year's loss to the St. Louis Blues, which could have been Boston's best chance to win again with their current core. We talked yesterday about how Tory Krug's rights could be traded uh, for a draft pick. So that in and of itself will put a dent in the core. And Patrice Bergeron is not getting any younger. Zdeno Chara might be gone. Uh, there's growing uncertainty about Tuka Rask's future. Um, so I thought just off the top, I'd take a quick look at what the Bruins can learn from the Tampa Bay Lightning, not only in an attempt to win, with the guys that they have left on the roster, but also, um, you know, heading into the future. And the one thing that stands out for sure is just how Tampa has been able to amass such a wealth of talent from mid to late round draft picks. You look at guys like Anthony Sorelli, who's going to be a Selkie candidate for years to come, drafted 72nd overall in the third round. Uh, you have Blake Coleman, who was acquired from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for a first round draft pick. He was drafted uh, 75th overall, a third round as well. Alex Kilorn, third round pick. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, a second round pick. Uh, who else? Andre Palat, a seventh round pick. Braden Point, who was very close to winning the Consmite Trophy just behind Victor Hedman. He was a third round pick. Obviously, they have some high-end talent at key positions that was drafted early in the in the selection process. You have Andre Vasilevsky, who was a 19th overall pick. Victor Hedman, who was a second overall pick. Mikhail Sergachev, who was also a first-round pick. Stamkos wasn't really a factor, but he was a first overall pick back in 2008. So you really have to build, uh, yeah, hitting on your first round picks, but also um, getting lucky with your later round picks. Maybe not even get, getting lucky is the word, but really having scouting people in the organization that can pinpoint that talent and select them, you know, later on in the draft. The Bruins have had success with that in the past. Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Milan Lucic, these were all mid-round picks. Obviously, they hit on acquiring Tuka Rask. They hit on um, you know signing Zdeno Chara, drafting David Pasternak. But you have to have those guys that were drafted later on who step up and become impact players. Jack Stanika could be that guy as a second-round pick. Um, and that kind of goes back to the conversation we had yesterday about trading Tory Krug's rates. If you can get a third or fourth round pick, it's not a throwaway selection. You can get value from those picks as long as you uh, hit on them. And, you know, I hate to harp on 2015, but if the Bruins had not whiffed on a couple of those picks, Jake DeBrusque, you know, arguably a hit on that pick, although there's questions about his long-term standing in the organization. But Zach Sinitian, Jacobs Borrell have yet to really not even make an impact, but just make the roster. Um, if they had selected more wisely or just picked the best available talent at those positions, then 
the last five years could have been a much different story for the Bruins. So that's a key thing for sure. Um, hitting on those second, third, fourth, even yeah, later round picks, uh, that's going to be more rare. But second, third round, certainly there's a lot of talent to be mined there in this day and age. And the Bruins can ill afford to uh, whiff on future draft picks in that way. Even like a guy like Brandon Carlo uh, was a second round pick. You got to take advantage of those selections for sure when you have an opportunity. Another lesson the Bruins can learn from the Lightning is looking at players on potentially low risk, high reward contracts. Thinking specifically of a guy like uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who was bought out by the Rangers, signed to a one-year deal by the Lightning, and that paid off huge as he was a very important player for them on the blue line. Uh, The issue of, not the issue, but the question of whether or not the Bruins could do that with a player like Bobby Ryan, you know, that's certainly something that they should look at, in my opinion. And then again, just not being afraid to take bigger swings. They dealt uh, young talent like Jonathan Drouin for um, Mikhail Sergachev. They traded JT Miller, who was a very important player, to the Canucks. Got a first-round pick out of that and a third-round pick. Cutting their losses when necessary, kind of getting rid of uh, Ryan Callahan a few years ago, dumping that contract. And, um, you know, the first-round pick that they acquired in the JT Miller trade, they used that to select or to trade for Blake Coleman. So just getting creative with those kind of deals as well, not being afraid to trade impact players like JT Miller, who was great for uh, the Canucks this past season and working with the assets that you have to just continually be creative and get better. And I don't think the Bruins should stand pat by any means this off season. And we'll get into that more here in a little bit as we take some of these lessons and extrapolate into what the Bruins could do. But before we move on, let's talk more about rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family-owned business and they've been serving auto parts customers for 20 years or so they offer all the car parts you will ever need to make repairs on your vehicle i was recently looking for a tail lamp cover for my 2003 odyssey their website is incredibly easy to navigate and i found it very quickly and uh, we'll be able to get that back on there to get that vehicle back on the road in no time. The best part is the prices are always reliably low. And then the same for professional mechanics as well as normal Joes like myself. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, or van. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. A big thing the Lightning had going for them is a wealth of secondary scoring, and that's something the Bruins certainly lacked. We saw, obviously, star performances from Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, who blew away the competition with 34 and 33 points, respectively. Victor Hedman was the Conn Smythe winner with 22 points, 10 goals, 12 assists. 
I believe that's third among defensemen all time for goals in a playoff run. Uh, Andre Palat had 11 goals, 18 points. Guys like Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Kevin Shattenkirk, Alex Kalorn, Mikhail Sergachev, Anthony Sorelli, Tyler Johnson, Berkeley Goodrow. These guys were all impact players at points for the Lightning, a team that, as I mentioned, were without Steven Stamkos, who is their captain and arguably, well, not, probably no longer their top player, probably top three forward for sure after Kucherov and Point. The Bruins, of course, severely lacked that secondary scoring, and it's something Jake DeBrusque wasn't able to bring to the table, and it has brought into question his value, his long-term standing with the team. Is this a guy that you want to commit big money to and build around for the future? If we look at the playoff scoring, it was Krejci, Marshan, Pasternak, Bergeron, who um, stepped up for the Bruins. Tori Krug, to a lesser extent, he's likely gone. Charlie Coyle, uh, Charlie McAvoy, Jake DeBrusque, and Andre Kasha, only with four points each in 13 and 11 games. DeBrusque had those four goals, but uh, the Bruins certainly need other players to step up. It was something that was brought up again and again for years now, uh, whether or not the Bruins have enough secondary scoring to um to compete and to contend Anders Bjork didn't step up at all Nick Ritchie was a non-factor and this brings us to looking ahead and the fact that the Bruins have been linked to Taylor Hall who's an unrestricted free agent and Frank Saravelli who I reference quite often on the podcast he was on uh TSN 1260 in Edmonton and uh Nick Goss of NBC Sports Uh, posted the following quotes. He says, One team I have my eyes on is the Boston Bruins. They're a team that could be in the mix for Taylor Hall. They've got a lot of interesting decisions to make. We saw a report out there on Twitter about potentially moving Tori Krug's rights. If you missed that chat, you can go back and listen to yesterday's podcast where I covered that in depth. Clearly, Krug feels he can get more elsewhere than the six years, $6.5 million that the Bruins are offering. But they've also got another really interesting piece as a restricted agent that I think would be a fantastic fit coming home to Edmonton in Jake DeBrusque. Keep in mind, he was speaking on TSN 1260 radio in Edmonton. So might be pandering to the listeners there, but that's something that has been mentioned again and again. What do you do? Cervelli continued with him as an RFA. Are you in a position where, with what he's looking at potentially in a deal, it's too rich for the Bruins? Do they have to find a way to move on? And if they're going to go after Taylor Hall anyway, that would seem to suggest you wouldn't need a guy like Jake DeBrusque. Boston is one team I have my eye on. Now, I've said many times that Jake DeBrusque's agent seems to be pushing for a deal north of $6 million, which to my mind is not where his value lies at the moment i think the bruins would rather sign him to a three-year kind of bridge type deal three four million dollars i don't think debrusque would accept that and if you come to an impasse the bruins obviously have 
all the leverage, seeing as he's only a restricted free agent. If he doesn't sign by a certain point, then he can't play for for a season. That date is typically December 1st, but it will be different this year. So if you're not going to sign DeBrusque to that kind of contract, why not just take it up a notch and offer that money to Taylor Hall, who is a proven commodity in the NHL. He is a Hart Trophy winner. He is a you know, first overall pick back in 2010. The Bruins had the second overall pick that year. And with Edmonton picking Hall first overall, the Bruins went with Tyler Sagan. Being able to sign Taylor Hall and put him on a line for one season at least with David Krejci would effectively help solve Boston's problems with secondary scoring. You'd have the top line, of course, and then a line of Hall, Krejci, and Kasha, which would be a top line on many teams around the NHL. And then, you know, if DeBrusque is signed to a lesser deal, you would have him on the third line with Charlie Coyle, which would be, um, which would be huge for the Bruins. If uh, DeBrusque is moved, then... You know, there are other options on the Bruins roster. You'd hope that Anders Bjork would take a step forward. You would look at Jax Danica on that third line as well. That line looked really good in the playoffs. Uh, so all that to say, secondary scoring remains an issue for the Bruins. And if they have cap space freed up with Terry Krug moving on, if they have even more freed up with uh, not committing to Jake DeBrusque, then you take a big swing certainly and have Taylor Hall come in who could be around for quite some time. He's only 28 and could be, you know, along with Brad Merchand, that would be the best left side top six in the NHL without question. So that's something the Bruins really need. Now losing Tory Krug certainly hurts. You look at the lightning and they were able to um, succeed by generating quite a bit of offense from the blue line. Torrey Krug is Boston's top shot generator from the blue line, their top scorer from the blue line. Charlie McAvoy will move into his role on the power play, so he'll get more looks. His offense will grow, certainly. But you also need some guys to step up and become uh, more offensive from the blue line. Yerhovac uh, and Nine, and perhaps Matt Grizzlick will have a bigger role. Brandon Carlo, I don't see him taking a step forward in terms of offense. But uh, some way, somehow, and especially if they lose Tory Krug, the Bruins will have to um, find ways to build offensive production from the blue line. And that will be a big uh, challenge for both Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy to uh, manufacture that for next season for sure. So what can the Bruins and really other teams learn from the Lightning? Well, drafting well is certainly a priority. Can't really do anything to change the past when it comes to that. But moving forward, please just take the best available talent. Don't draft for need or by position. Just take the best available talent. You can always flip it in the future. It's just an asset that's in your pocket to work with going forward. Just take the best available talent. Next, um, secondary scoring is huge. Developing that depth up front and on the blue line as well. Taking a swing at Taylor Hall. 
I would love to see that happen. The more I think about it, the more I get excited about Taylor Hall as a Boston Bruin. And um, also, again, generating offense from the blue line is a must. And that is something that um, Bruce Cassidy will have to address whenever training camp begins and whenever next season gets underway as well. Let's finish up with some news and notes from around the NHL. And now that the 2020 Stanley Cup has been awarded, it's on to thinking about how a new season might be able to begin. And one concept that's being discussed has been a hybrid bubble which would include four to six different locations around the NHL, preferably in cities where fans would be allowed inside arenas. We know that fans have been permitted to attend some NFL games in limited capacity, and although that's an outdoor situation, uh, there are areas around the states where similar capacity restrictions could be in place indoors, including Dallas, Colorado, Columbus, Nashville, St. Louis. So one hybrid bubble will be located in Canada because there's no end in sight on Canada-US border restrictions. So an all-Canadian division is a distinct possibility to begin next season at the very least. The hybrid bubble would include a rotation of two weeks inside it, followed by a week at home where players can regroup with their families and... Um, yeah, kind of going through it that way. The thinking is that each team would play about 12 games per month, which is doable given that there will be no travel between games other than flying in or out. This is all again from Frank Saravelli of TSN. One major schedule sticking point would be that NBC holds the rights for the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. So the NHL might be stuck with a 48 or 60 game regular season over four or five months prior to um, moving on to the playoffs. There are risks, of course, with this. I'm not sure how the finances work, work out in terms of teams getting a share of the revenue and all things like that. Uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman said there's still so much we don't know. All options are on the table. They have to be flexible and agile when it comes time to do that. After the cup was awarded last night, he said he was very proud of everybody who worked on the bubble. I, if you go back and listen to some older podcasts, was skeptical that it could all come together without a spread of COVID, without positive cases. There were none. And, um, you know, to be able to do that in two different bubbles was um, just... I wouldn't say a miracle, but but quite a feat to be sure. And uh, the NHL should be applauded for that. Um, and, you know, all credit to the players who are away from their families. I already saw some blowback from some media saying, you know, it's not uh, a normal situation. Uh, it's easier because there was no travel. And Barkley Goodrow of the Tampa Bay Lightning kind of cracked back at that saying, um, you know, it's, it's still very difficult to be away from your families for that long and to, um, have, yeah, just been in that situation. He said, you try going through what we went through, not seeing our families for months, living in a hotel for 60 plus days, 
24 teams had a chance, no advantage in terms of crowd, but hey, say what you want. And that was directed to to Damian Cox, who, uh, yeah, is a bit of a bit of a clown to be sure. Anyways, congratulations to the Lightning. Uh, as much as I <laughs> didn't really want them to win, it is a it is certainly a feat, and um, I don't think there should be any asterisks uh, next to their win this season at all. If you're on Twitter, you would have noticed quite a stir caused by TSN's Bob McKenzie. Yesterday, he uh, wrote a thread about Jack Eichel, which kind of started off strong, but petered off to much ado about nothing. He wrote, Imagine my surprise when I started making calls today and heard Jack Eichel trade rumors, including unverified chatter. He may have at some point recently requested a trade out of Buffalo and that the Rangers were among interested teams. This, of course, required further investigation. His agent said he heard that trade talk a lot. Jack wants to win, frustrated, not winning, but no, he doesn't want out. He's preparing to head to Buffalo at some point here and prepare for the season, whenever that may be. The messaging out of Buffalo, McKenzie continued, is that the Sabres aren't shopping Eichel, but... Teams were calling new general manager Kevin Adams to see about his available availability. None of the talks resulted in any action, obviously, but there has been some dialogue between Eichel and Buffalo to ensure they both want the same thing and share the same timetable, and that's to get better sooner than later. So in sum, Eichel doesn't want out of Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't want to trade Eichel. Move along, nothing to see here. But some rumors are worth checking out, he said, or mentioning, which I've now done. So thanks for dropping a, a bomb that uh, didn't quite go off. Bob McKenzie. Excuse the background noise. We have one son who's home from school today, and our niece is also in the building, which is always fun. Now, yeah, I think that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Kind of a lot to process following the Lightning Stanley Cup win um, and a lot of moving parts as we head now into the offseason. Uh, the draft set for next week. Free agency begins next week as well. So in the coming days, we'll take a deeper look at what the Bruins might do at the NHL draft, what they might do in free agency, some trades they might make, and hopefully we actually get some tangible news to discuss as well. Thank you so much for listening today. I really do appreciate all those who take some time to listen to me ramble on about uh, the Bruins. And uh, hopefully we can get some more friends on here over the next few weeks as we move into the off season, uh, just to catch up and get some different voices on the podcast as well. Uh, but yeah, if you can, uh, subscribe to the podcast, please do so immediately and please toss up a rating and a review, especially for Apple users. That would be very, very much appreciated. I hope you all have a great day. This has been another episode of the locked on Boston Bruins podcast, your team every day. And we will be back tomorrow with some more sweet, sweet Bruins content. Take care, friends.